Good evening, friends, and uh, welcome to Thinking Out Loud podcast. And this is our final episode of this season, uh, season number three, uh, which is basically pseudology, the art of lying. That's the theme of this season. And today we are looking at the use of sexuality in marketing. And as you can see, um, says um, sex sells, um, sex in advertising or sex in marketing or sexuality rather in marketing so that's what we'll be looking at today in our final episode here at thinking out loud i am your host babul kamasiki and i'll be the one taking you through this final episode in our last episode uh, from last week we did discover from history that in the 1920s, a man by the name of Edward Bernays, um, he introduced this concept that is uh, modernly known as, or in modern times, is known as neuromarketing, um, where um, basically the market is manipulated to be a wants or desires based market rather than a needs based market then this works with emotions that if you don't have this you don't feel good you buy this you'll feel good about it you'll feel better after that and that's what we basically covered um, in our last episode. So today we are going to develop that thought further and see how that has been taken to another extreme um, as far as manipulation is concerned in uh, advertising and marketing. When you look at neuromarketing, um, it now capitalizes on, among other things, what I call the oxytocin phenomenon. For the success of their adverts, they pump in a lot of money in an advert that takes 30 seconds, 90 seconds, um, because they know that with that, they'll get more sales, they'll get more returns. Um, oxytocin plays a role in social bonding, um, reproduction, childbirth, and even after childbirth. So, what do I mean by that? If you see um, a picture or a video of a closely knit family um, that looks happy, it releases or it basically um, wets your uh, this neurotransmitter um, called oxytocin to be released. And one sees that as a desirable thing, you know, one sees that as something that um, that uh, that is good, and. There's also another thing that adverts use, babies. There is a baby who looks cute, they look innocent. It releases oxytocin, especially for mothers. Those who are already familiar with uh, bearing a child, they easily fall for that. And then there is also um, sexual images that have been used in adverts. As I said that oxytocin is released or plays a role rather in reproduction. Reproduction, um, uh, you know, implies um, in an explicit way 
um, sexual activity. So if there is an innuendo, a hint to sexual activity, the oxytocin is released. So all these things that factored in advertising. Now I'm going to focus more on the sexual um, images or imagery that is being used in advertising. It's a form of manipulation. Just as much as you think a cute, innocent-looking baby in an advert is manipulation to those especially who desire to have children and those who already have children, who love their children. It's a form of manipulation. But I'm focusing on the one that we call um, sexual um, or sexuality as far as marketing is concerned. <clears throat> now, besides those elements that I just mentioned, there's another tool that is used in advertising and it's music and the music that is especially used in advertising is rap music and techno music and this is because of their hypnotic effect you know um they you'd have a an advert and it has a rap song and in your mind every time that rap song comes the thing that you remember is the advert itself Every time that song plays, you remember what was advertised, what is attached to that song in your mind when you were watching that advert, which was played, by the way, after your mind was already in an alpha state. After lots of entertainment has been pumped into your brain so much that there is less brain activity in the prefrontal cortex. So this is one of the elements that is being used um, besides the ones that I just mentioned earlier on that fall under what I call the oxytocin phenomenon. Now, the use of sex appeal to push the sales of a product or a service is what is called uh, sexuality or uh, sex sales or sexually motivated advertising or marketing. Sexually appealing imagery um, used for marketing does not need to pertain to the product or service in question. Case in point, you have adverts um, about cars, automobiles, that have a pretty lady who is scantily dressed. And the connection between an automobile and a lady it's very vague. The sexy looking lady is very vague at the best. That has nothing to do with an automobile. The lady who's scantily dressed, who looks sexy, um, voluptuous, whatever word one would want to use, it has nothing to do with a car. But they know that once they do that, men, when they see that car, they remember the sexy looking lady. So in their minds, they'll be compelled or they need to buy that car in order to attract sexy looking ladies. So that's manipulation. It caches on the oxytocin that is being released when someone seeks, sees a, a sexually appealing imagery. The same is also used um, to sell things like clothing, um, alcohol, and you know, for clothing, I would give and un uh, I would understand. But for alcohol, what does alcohol have to do with 
um, sexual appealing imagery. I mean, why would they use the very um, products or um, customers who have imbibed alcohol itself and advertise it that way? It's not something that is you know, nice. It's not something that is appealing. No one would be attracted to buy alcohol when they see someone wallowing in their own vomit, when they see someone um, or bludgeoned up by hitting on walls and hitting on objects, so forth and so on. So no one would do that. But when you put a sexy looking lady behind it or a sexy looking man behind it, then it appeals. It has, they use sexual appeal to link you or to hook you onto buying alcohol. Um, it's also used in cosmetic products and so forth and so on, basically. <clears throat> now, the use of sex in advertising can be highly overt or extremely subtle, and sometimes even subliminal. Subliminal in the sense that you don't pick it, it just goes, you don't pick it at the first sight, it just somehow goes through your subconscious and just stays there. It's there in front of you, but you don't recognize or see it. It's done in a way that you won't recognize it. That's why it's called subliminal. It ranges from ex relatively explicit displays of sexual acts and seductive behavior aimed at the viewer to the use of double meanings and underlying sexual references or innuendos that are more subconscious. And that's basically what it means when we say that it can be highly, it can be highly overt, extremely subtle, and even subliminal. Now, when you look at sex in advertising, it basically, as I said, relies on manipulation of um, that organ that releases oxytocin and varies in effectiveness depending on the culture and gender of the receiver. This explains why sexually explicit adverts tend to be directed at male consumers, whereas products at aimed at a female market typically involve romantic imagery and males who are wealthy, intelligent, or powerful. So they even know that. You no, know, for a man you just need this explicit, sexual explicit advert. You catch them there. And for ladies, it may not they may they may not need that generally. Just you know, put this romantic um, imagery, um, a wealthy man, um, an intelligent or powerful man, and it appeals to them. That's the bait for the women. There's a bait for the men and a bait for the women. But all of them, they are under this sexual, um, sexually driven um, marketing or advertising. Let's look at it, a little bit of uh, history uh, concerning um, sexual. Uh, advertising or sexuality in advertising and marketing. The, the earliest known use of sex in advertising is by the Pearl Tobacco brand in 1871. It featured a naked maiden on the package cover. That's the earliest known use of sex in advertising. This maiden is just there, topless, and it's advertising tobacco pack of cigarettes, basically. That's what it's about. And in 1855, something interesting happened. Um, 
Duke and Sons, W. Duke and Sons, um, they inserted trading cards into cigarette packs that featured sexually provocative starlets or images. This company, this tobacco company, grew to become the leading American cigarette brand by 1890, just in five years after inserting or starting to insert sexually provocative images of women in cigarette packs, they became the leading tobacco brand in America or cigarette brand in America rather. So you can just see the effect of sex in advertising. It can push sales and push them very high to your know, very highest level um, possible. And this is all because they are manipulating that part of the brain that releases oxytocin. So everyone, every time someone sees a beautiful lady, he thinks of the cigarette pack. I see a beautiful lady, think of the cigarette pack. Actually, there was this other brand that was used, or the other image that was used rather. Uh, it's not sexual, but I just want to show um, the effect of images on what people, on the consumer behavior rather. There was the, this image of, it was of a, a cigarette brand, um, a cowboy riding a horse. And there was one where um, it had a caption and there was one where it didn't have a caption. So where it didn't have a caption, people remembered the cigarette more than where it had a caption. So just the image itself without words, because it has been associated with some product or some service, it gets to a point whereby when someone sees that image, they remember the product or the service and they are compelled to go and get the product or the service. So now what they're doing is, um, with the influx of pornography, pornographic imagery and all that all over, um, all over social media, all over media basically. With advertising now that it attaches this pornographic or this sexually appealing imagery to their products or their services. When someone sees sexually provocative imagery anywhere, their minds gravitate to the products and services that are associated or that were associated with such imagery, although it's not a specific picture or video, but the kind of imagery that they have seen in the past in an advert. In 1920, a lie was created, a propaganda was cooked up, it was birthed. And the lie was basically created to move people from a needs-based market to a desires-based market a wants-based market. So advertising then started selling a lie. It started peddling a lie. In the first episode, we asked, can you change someone's reality 
or perception of reality by what you give them visually to watch, by what you feed into their visual cortex. And we are wrapping up that answer now. What is being fed to your mind through advertising? It changes your worldview. It changes your philosophy. It changes your set of ideas and values. So now by what you have seen, what we've been fed, bypassing all the important processes that should happen in the prefrontal cortex, shapes how you view the world. We have our first, our first season here at Thinking Out Loud is dealing with worldviews. It changes your worldview. It changes your values. It changes your philosophy about anything. It challenges what you believe. And because it is attached to the most, what they call, um, primitive part of the brain, the subconscious, it becomes hard and harder to get rid of it. It didn't go through the normal process of, you know, being um, criticized and all that. And the sexual imagery is compounded with the music. The music is another thing that just bypasses the prefrontal cortex. We are made that way. You can't process it the same way that you process a mathematical equation. You can't. It just goes straight to the limbic system and to the subconscious. So these are being used to sell you a worldview, to sell you a set of ideas, to sell you a philosophy, to, set you, to sell you a set of values. And you trade your values, you trade your worldview, you trade your standards and your principles for whatever the media has to offer whatever the directors, the producer of what piece of information you gather from your TV screen or your phone screen or your laptop screen, you trade all of those valuable things for that which they offer you. And you do that without analyzing. You are first incapacitated to analyze it and critique it. So just given it raw as it is, you don't know whether it's a poison or not, and just swallow it. That's what entertainment TV does to us. That's what entertainment TV does to the brain. Pseudology, the art of lying. You can see that there is an agenda to sell the whole world a lie. And it is your duty and my duty to preserve our values, to allow everything or anything rather that would 
make up our set of beliefs, our philosophies, and our worldviews to pass through the processes of the prefrontal cortex. You have to judge, you have to reason through it, you have to analyze it, critique it, and make an informed decision to either adopt it or reject it. Friends, thank you for being with us. Thank you for joining us in this season. And thank you for joining us in this final episode. What I can say is protect your mind so that you may continue to think in a healthy way. Think out loud to shape your destiny. Don't let anyone else think for you or implant thoughts into your mind and let them shape your destiny. But rather, you do that yourself. Thank you and enjoy your evening.